When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. The force will be with you, always. I'm your number one fan. This is Simon Rose. It's time for The Business of Film, where I'm joined by James Cameron Wilson as we look at what's been happening in the UK box office and review some films along the way. Um, I went to see a film that uh, scared me um, out of my wits the first time I saw it. Don't look now. There's a Nick Rogue um, retrospective, quite a short one, at the Riverside Studios in London. I must say, much better seen on a big screen, James, as indeed most movies are, if they've got any merit whatsoever. I think that was the best British film of the 1970s, Simon. Well, it's been restored and restored rather beautifully because it's not, it doesn't look spanking new. It looks like it was filmed in the 70s, but beautifully done. Okay. Anyway. Uh, and does it hold bed. up then? Because yes. it was very scary in the 1970s. I, it, well, it when didn't I was scare me, but then I suppose I sort of knew what was coming, having seen it before, but I think on telly. That's true. What was most interesting is that um, my, my friend teaches film studies, who was programming it, is there were about eight or nine of us sitting around talking afterwards, and it's quite interesting. We all got different things out of it. Some people were suggesting things I hadn't thought of at all, which means I sort of almost like to go and see it again to mm. see whether they're right or wrong. But no, it's very rare I these days i find that you know one can spend almost as long talking about the film as actually watching it well indeed fascinating anyway uh they've got walk about and the man who fell to earth in the ensuing um sundays on at the river i did see walk about recently and i don't think they could make that film now it I'm wouldn't sure be allowed i'm sure they can for a number of reasons yes um, if only for the animal slaughter, which you couldn't get away with now. <laughs> so what have we got in the charts, James? And well, how is the box office looking? Well, if you recollect, last weekend, the box office actually jumped up 18%. Hmm. Uh, sorry, the last show, the previous hmm. weekend. And the last weekend that's just been, it shot up again, 13.8%. So things are looking rather rosy at Excellent. this time of year. Excellent. And we have a new number one after Avatar The Way of Water dominating the box mm. office for seven weeks. It's now finally being pushed aside by Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, right. which clawed in five million quid. And that's wow. £7,908 per screen average. I should Good say per grief. cinema. Because there's no such thing as per screen anymore. Because if you go to a multiplex, the film will move around from screen to screen, depending on which, well, to, to fit in with their scheduling, depending yes, on which I, screen. Well, I was always wonder, but we don't know, do we? If it's, I mean, if one cinema has 10 showings in different screens, does that count as each one is a, 
is a screen and they all get it out together? Or is it just the, the cinema well, as a complex? they're shown at different times. They're yeah. shown at different times. Mm. They're not, you can't see, well, you certainly not Puss in Boots. You couldn't see Puss in Boots in two different cinemas at mm. different mm. times, at different parts of the film. So it'll end in one screen and then they may show it in another screen at a different time. So this is per cinema average. Seven th- that's £8,000 almost per cinema, which is pretty amazing. So that's why the box office has really jumped up. Now, there are a couple of good jokes, I have to say, in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and some neat animation. But beyond that, it's pretty ordinary. In fact, I'll go one step further and say that it's a bit of a migraine. There is so much going on and generated at such a furious rate. It's hard to grasp a moment of engaging clarity. This is the belated sequel to DreamWorks Puss in Boots of 12 years ago, which itself was an offshoot of Shrek and featured the beloved cat of the fairy tale as a deceitful swashbuckling egotist Hmm. voiced by Antonio Banderas. I was a huge fan of the Shrek films, and thoroughly enjoyed the stand-alone offshoot, against my wildest expectations, I should say. But I'm now thoroughly fed up with the Moggy. Manderas returns as the gravity-defying feline Zorro, who is beloved by the town of Del Mar as their fearless champion. To celebrate his own popularity, he mounts a humongous party in his honour, held at the governor's own palace, complete with ice statues of himself. Such is his esteem that when he inadvertently steps on a girl, leaving a massive boot mark on her face, she claims she will never wash again. What an honour! But this being a fairy tale, the revelry awakes a nearby sleeping giant who attacks the town, only to be vanquished by our intrepid swordsman, who, as he is glorifying in his acclaim, is squashed to death by a huge bell. But Puss in Boots is a cat and is born with nine lives. So when he is revived by the town's doctor, Kambaba, he is none too surprised. For him, dying is a way of life. However, He is more than a little disturbed when the barber tells him that having already died eight times, he is now pretty mortal. He is then paid a visit by the big bad wolf, a.k.a. the Grim Reaper, who is itching to get his claws on him, on this seemingly indestructible icon. Nonetheless, Puss in Boots refuses to take his fate lying down until he is unarmed by death and scuttles off to an old cat's home where he has to use the same litter tray as all the other moggies. The shame is <laughs> devastating, and he even buries his cloak, mask, and rapier as a sign of his retirement, which is just as well as there is a hefty price on his head. I did la- laugh for the first time when the doors, this is the end, started playing on the soundtrack, which works really well. Now, You'll just have to trust me on this. There is a crime family on the loose, comprised of Goldilocks and the three bears, and they are bent on turning in Puss in Boots to gain the reward. 
They are voiced by Florence Pugh as Goldie and Ray Winston as Papa Bear and Olivia Coleman as Mama Bear. And they are a mildly diverting take on the old fairy tale, which is more than I can say for Jack Horner, a grotesque creation who is neither little nor a good boy, but a giant who mm. just enjoys killing people, as all giants do. He, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, hear of a magical map which can lead them to a wishing star, which can grant them the wish of their dreams. And so one by one, they enter a portal into a parallel dimension where they find the so-called dark forest, a domain which changes depending on who is in possession of the map at the time. Just what I wanted, another parallel universe. <laughs> Yes. And so the various crack characters <laughs> battle innumerable obstacles yeah. and themselves in search of that elusive wish. Puss himself yearning to get his eight lives back. Until the multiversal bit, I was relatively enjoying the shenanigans. And some of the animation is quite striking. But the hectic tone of the film and the relentless scattershot confusion of characters and themes and ideas was beginning to feel like a bad trip. It's a real mishmash designed for the ADHD attention span of the current <laughs> audience, and I am genuinely baffled, baffled, that it has been nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Film. Then again, it wasn't a vintage year for animation last year. If you remember Minions, The Rise of Gru, mm -hmm. Pixar's Lightyear was a terrible disappointment. And Apple TV's luckless luck. But still, um, I, I was... There are some good animated films out there, and I would like to talk about The Sea Beast at some point. Well, we'd better take a break there, Jim. We're well over a third of the way through. So let's just pause, give you a moment to catch your breath, and then we'll um, go on. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Uh, you join me for the business of film, where I'm talking to James Cannon Wilson. We've been talking about Puss in Boots, which is the lost, uh, the lost. What was it? I forgot what it was. No, the, the last, last wish. The last, the last wish, which is Puss. My Avatar wish is that there won't be another Puss in Boots. <laughs> oh, if it's taking last five wish. million a week weekend, James, you may I'm not a, get your wish. So what's what's number so. two? That's Avatar. Well, yeah, Avatar: The Way of Water, which made another one point three million pounds, down thirty nine percent. It's now got a total in this country of seventy two million uh, seven hundred thousand quid. It's in its eighth week. It's now the fourteenth highest grossing film of all time in the UK, having overtaken Disney's live action Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson, but globally. It is now the fourth highest grossing film of all time, just behind Avatar at number one, directed by James Cameron, Avengers Endgame, and Titanic, directed by James Cameron. <laughs> so James Cameron. Three out has of four. Three wow. out of four. That is extraordinary. That is I do extraordinary. feel sorry for Steven Spielberg. He used to reign at the box office, <laughs> but James Cameron. Yeah, but it was, it was once Robert Zemeckis. Was it? Yeah. That's going back a bit. Yeah, it's going back a bit. I just something flashed into my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, off ta target uh, tangent again, James. Sorry. So number three, no. what do we have? 
We have another new film called Knock at the Cabin, which made £985,000, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know what you feel about M. Night Shyamalan, but I think his ideas are often better than the delivery of the movie itself. His most successful film, obviously, The Sixth Sense, I thought was rather boring because I didn't realise... I remember you chatting with this, yes. Well, I didn't realise the twist was a twist. So when the big reveal finally came, I thought, huh? The village had a great ending, one of the best of this century, but it was a bit of a weight leading up to it. And I did enjoy Signs, but then it got really silly at the end. And so to knock at the cabin, which is frankly completely absurd. Four complete strangers meet up in the Pennsylvania woods to try and convince a same-sex couple with an adopted seven-year-old daughter to kill one of their own. It's a real Sophie's Choice situation. And how the quartet go about coercing the reluctant family towards their enormous sacrifice, shall we say, it's not entirely credible. So we have Andrew, an extremely handsome human rights attorney, played by Ben Aldridge, who I recognise from the BBC series Our Girl, and his religious husband, Eric, played by Jonathan Groff, who sang the part of the hunky Christoph in the Frozen franchise. Mm -hmm. And then there's their adopted daughter, Wen, a seven-year-old Asian girl with a cleft palate. So we already have quite a few boxes pre-ticked here. And they're all desperately in love with each other and have rented a cabin in the woods for their vacation. And you know that in American films, cabins in the woods are mm. always bad news. Yeah, I'm surprised yet, realtors can sell any of them. Yeah, uh, I, I know. And yet they keep on renting them out. Well, the first stranger we see is Leonard, played by Dave Bautista, who claims he is a teacher from Chicago, which doesn't really set with his colossal frame enormous musculature and endless tattoos but still he has a good way with Wen who he helps to collect grasshoppers until that is the other three intruders turn up with their makeshift weaponry. The quartet then break down the front door of the cabin, tie Eric and Andrew up and then ask them if they will kill one of their own. It all makes perfect sense of course even when we finally recognise one of the grizzled strangers is none other than Ron Weasley, or at least Rupert Grint. He's virtually unrecognisable. So we've got a nurse. Rupert Grint works for a gas company. We've got a teacher played by Dave Bautista, who really doesn't look like a teacher in spite mm. of his spectacles. And we have a cook. And their job is to convince this family to kill one of their own. And how they go about it is they tell them that unless they do so, the end of the world will come. Now, if you're going to try and convince somebody to kill one of their own, uh, that's a very odd way of going about it. It just doesn't make any sense. And maybe at the very, very end, after sitting there incredulous for so long, for almost two hours, the ending is got a nice touch of irony, but I don't want to give anything away. But it's so mad. It's so daft. And I'm afraid M. Night Shyamalan is... I mean, you remember Old, where all these people started ageing rapidly yes, on yes, a beach, yes, on this yes. sort of magic beach. Yes. I think he's really lost his touch. 
I'm surprised he still, still gets to make films, frankly. When was the last one that was a big success? Is that Signs? Can't even remember. I mean, it well, do you remember The Happening with Mark Wahlberg? That really got trounced by the critics. Mm. I actually probably enjoyed that more than I enjoyed oh, many I, at M. Night I think I, I think I might have skipped, <laughs> skipped that one. Anyway, uh, James, uh, what do we have now? That was number three in the shot, Knock at the yeah. Cabin, which I'm guessing you're suggesting people just don't, but pass the cabin by. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so on this occasion. Um, ben Aldridge, though, I, I have to be honest, he gives a very good American accent, as does Rupert Grint. Mm. Now, at number four, we've got Pathan which was quite a box oh, yes. office sensation. It was number two in the top then last weekend, which is a Hindi action thriller, a quite a long one. That's dropped 64%. But its total is now 3.3 million, and it's now the highest-grossing Indian film ever in the UK, and that's just after 10 days. So the Indian cinema is doing really well in this country. Mm-hmm. And we have a new film at number five called The Whale, which I'm sure you've heard of. I've seen it. Having... Sorry, you've seen it? Mm. Aha. Okay. Well, having been thoroughly rude about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Knock at the Cabin, I feel free to beg you to see one of the best films of the last 12 months. This is the story of Charlie, the sort of person who, even if you are able to catch sight of him, you might well look the other way because he is morbidly obese, 600 pounds to be exact, or just under 43 stone. Adapted by Samuel D. Hunter from his own play and directed by Darren Aronofsky, it asks us why should anybody allow themselves to get so big? And who's that person behind all that bulk? As it happens, Charlie is an articulate English professor and holds regular classes on Zoom while splayed across his sofa in the middle of his room. But he's he's become obviously very self-conscious about his weight. He pretends that the camera on his laptop is broken. And the film opens with a network of young faces on a computer screen with a black void in the middle, with the camera slowly zooming in until the screen is completely black, which sort of reflects Charlie's life. It is a void consumed by fat. It's hard to imagine which actor could have played Charlie. And I think it was savvy of Aronofsky to go for a performer uh, that the current generation are not familiar with. Although older listeners will, of course, remember Brendan Fraser from films like George of the Jungle, Encino Man and The Mummy. Likewise, Aronofsky, of course, rescued Mickey Rourke when his career had slid out of sight and secured Rourke his very first Oscar nomination for The Wrestler. And so Brendan Fraser, too, has been nominated for his first Academy Award. Thank you, Darren. And I think he is brilliant. Unlike Tom Hanks and his fat suit in Elvis, which I found terribly distracting, Brendan Fraser holds centre stage and dashes all memories of his six-pack as George of the Jungle. But the other cast members are equally brilliant. Sadie Sink from Stranger Things as Charlie's teenage daughter, who finds it hard to even look at her father, not having seen him for nine years. She, Ellie, is understandably resentful of the father who abandoned her and has given up on her life, particularly on her studies. And Charlie is desperate to save her 
before he dies. He is suffering from congestive heart failure with his blood pressure 38 over 134. And without health insurance, he knows that he has eaten himself into an early grave. And he actually pays his own daughter, Ellie, to spend time with him. And then there's the Oscar-nominated Hong Chao as his helper and only friend who sees the human being beneath the blubber. I was talking to a film critic this week who complained that the play hadn't been opened out more, but I totally disagree. We see Charlie's life through his eyes and we suffer his claustrophobia mm. along with him. He can barely move. In fact, there's one painful moment when Ellie challenges, his, challenges him to stand up on his own two feet, unaided, which he cannot do. Things we take for granted, like picking something up off the floor, he is physically unable to accomplish. And he is only connected to the outside world by his laptop and his mobile phone. So I think the claustrophobia of that one room set is essential to get I agree. I mean, it, 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 it does betray its origins as a play, but I don't think that's... I don't think it's that's a wrong. Damn I think good play, it would have though. been awful. It would have been absolutely awful if it had gone outside. I, I, yeah, yeah. I agree. No, I, I, it's, I, I, it's a remarkable film, the, utterly absorbing. He um, won't even let the pizza delivery guy see him because yeah. he is so ashamed of how he looks. I'm so glad you thought it was good too. No, amazing. I mean, I'm afraid I only saw it on my um, on my laptop. Um, oh, I was given a screening link, but even so, I thought it was absolutely remarkable. Uh, really, really impressed. Fantastic performance from Ben. I mean, who who would have expected when we saw those early films of his that he'd be able to do something as good as this? But as you say, the entire cast is is just well. I should also you never mention. quite well. You sort of know how it's going to go, but you, but there are lots of surprises along the way. Nothing's quite Indeed. as you expect. Um, and, I recommend the more like you too. recommend it for. But that, that's only number five, and we've got to dash through the rest, haven't we? So how much did that take? Um, that didn't take as much as I would have hoped. It took mm. six hundred ninety thousand. Yeah, well, I suppose you can... But I do see. beg you to see it. It is so moving. And people just don't look... I mean, how many films have... I mean, I was thinking, um, what's Eating Gilbert Grape? was the last time I remember a character of that size. Hmm. And they're all around us. And hmm. it's so great and brave to actually see a film. And yes, of course, they're human beings. And anyway, I know we're running out of time. At number six, we've got Plane, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And the critics backed me up which mm -hmm. was at number three, down 45%. We've got The Fablemans, which I think I liked more than you did. Yes. It did get very good reviews, I'm afraid, Simon, mm -hmm. which was at number four, down 49%. I found, I found a few other people who were a little bit slightly nonplussed by it and not terribly impressed, but um, you know, we're you know, against the herd, but we'll see. Okay. okay. At number eight, we've got BTS, yet to come in cinemas, which is an event sequence uh cinema a concert from the south korean boy band which i know you're a huge fan of i've only ever heard of them because they keep bringing out these event movies you tell me <laughs> about them okay and i i really good i mean it's not a horror it's a comic thriller megan m3 gan down 55 percent with a, to a good total of 6.7 million pounds with mm. alison williams and number 10 we've got babylon which was at number six also down 55 percent, with a total of 3.3 million which was a bit disappointing i think but many great sequences and when they're trying to capture that one scene where they're trying to get the sound right yes. was just I, a genius I, 
I've been listening to a podcast called You Must Remember This, and about two, maybe three years ago, they went through the Kenneth Anger book, which obviously references Babylon quite well, Babylon references Hollywood quite Babylon. A lot, trying to work out whether, you know, which which stories are true and which ones aren't. We we've got almost no time, James. Do you want to say anything about the Film Critics Circle Awards? I less than a minute. Oh gosh. Um I really wish I'd been there. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually there every single year, and mm. it was quite a good turnout of uh, the, the the winners. Kate Blanchett was there, Florence Pugh was there, Bill Nye, Todd Field, who I'd love to have met. But it, it's interesting because I saw Tar at the very last minute mm. and I voted it in four different categories and it did win Film of the Year and Kate Blanchett did win. So I feel I might have had, and Best Director, so I might have had some influence. That one vote of mine might have just pushed it into the winning category. <laughs> I still have yet to see it, James, but um, I know you recommended it strongly. Thank you very much indeed. That's it for this week for the business of film, but we'll be back with more at the same time next week. So, James, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. All my life, I've been waiting for someone, and when I find her, she's she's a fish. You're tearing me apart! Why so serious? Something.